Well, my friends, please do keep that passage open and in front of you uh, so that you can hopefully see that what I'm saying is not something that I've made up, but rather that God says clearly in his uh, word. And so before we return to uh, Psalm 62, uh, let us pray together before we begin. Let's pray. Father, we admit you know all. Father, you know us perfectly. You know us better than ourselves. And so, Father, we pray that you might therefore help us to come to your word humbly, helping us to see where perhaps we've gone astray, having us to change by your spirit, helping us to be encouraged, encouraged by your truth once more. And so please enliven our faith for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While the bright lights are hopefully now down, the Christmas tree has been recycled or more likely is is now back up in the loft. Uh, The New Year's break is over. The Christmas holidays are, are long gone. And the first normal Monday beckons. 2020 starts in earnest tomorrow. Did you have a good rest? Did you have a good rest? Sarah and I were our 40th a birthday party for one of our non-Christian neighbour friends in queue last night. And, and that was the presiding question of the evening. Did you have a good rest? And no doubt you'll be asked it constantly in the next few days. How will you reply? Did you have a good rest? And so what constitutes whether you had it? Was rest achieved because you managed to read a whole book? Was rest achieved because you heard the the choir boy's solo? Was rest acquired because the constantly vibrating cell phone was not shaking the office desk? Was rest accomplished because you got to watch It's a Wonderful Life at 3 p.m. in the afternoon in your pyjamas? Or is rest more than just sleeping in after the New Year's party and the singing of Silent Night and the season of peace? Well, if you look at the biblical notion of true rest in our, in our passage this morning in Psalm 62, uh, we see that those seasonal ideas of, of quietness and peace and cell phones no longer shaking and the, the singing of silent night get us somewhere close to rest. Or as we study uh, this psalm this morning, we see that rest is at the very heart of our text. For our text speaks of the blessings of silence and and a shaking no more. And yet wonderfully, the rest described here is is not a short-term rest, a rest of the holiday season, but rather a steadfast rest and a rest for the soul. In the New International Version, we read verse 1, truly my soul finds rest in God. Likewise here, in the English Standard Version, Psalm 62 opens, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And so here is a rest that is not just seasonal, but rather a rest that rides above how many hours of sleep you had last night. And a rest that is not dependent on short term pleasures gained or momentary worries and fears removed. For in these precious verses penned by King David, but ultimately written by God, we read of a rest for the soul. Here is a soul that waits in silence, verse 1. Here is a soul that is not shaken, verse 2. A soul that stops striving and starts to hope, verse 5. And a soul that finds shelter in the storm, verses 7 and 8. 
And so, friends, before we rush into our passage this morning to to discover where this rest may be found, let me ask you before we even begin, do you see the attractiveness of such a soul? Whether your holiday season was filled with plenty of films and food and, and falling asleep on the sofa or not, whether you got all the Christmas presents you hoped for, can you not see the appropriateness of this rest and the allure of a gift like this for your own soul or for your spouse's soul, for your kids, for your neighbour's soul, or for your colleague at work? Well, friends, we live in restless times, do we not? According to the medical researchers, cases of anxiety in the West continue to increase. According to the educational psychologists, more teenagers speak of a fretfulness than ever before. Indeed, even according to the interior designers, our souls are craving quiet more than ever before. The colour experts, Patone, decided that that the colour of the year for 2020 is a calming shade of azure. And so according to the home magazines, this year you should paint your house anti-anxiety blue. Because you see, in 2020, even though we may enjoy more days of seasonal vacation than King David ever dreamed of, our soul's search for rest is just as great as his. So where do we find it? Where does one find rest? Point one this morning. Rest is found in God alone. Point one, rest is found in God alone. Let me reread verses one and two again. Do you follow with me? For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Where does David's soul find rest? David finds rest in God. Of all the places, of all the places where men and women may find rest, David finds his rest in the God who made him and saved him. Indeed, as we start uh, at these these verses one and two and, and look carefully at them, we, we, we see that not only does David find rest in God, but David finds rest in God alone. Did you see that? Six times in this psalm, the word translated surely or, or, or truly or only or alone is used to stress the matchlessness of rest in God. Verse one again, for God alone, my soul waits. Verse two, he alone is my rock. And as a result, as we perhaps stare at David's words here, I guess for many of us, it is rather tempting to just close Psalm 62 there. And disappointment. Which is sad because in the intro you were right there. You saw the potential significance of this psalm for your soul, for, for you know deep down how much your soul craves rest. But now, now perhaps I'm about to lose you because you know that these words are not your words. These are the words of David. These are the words of an exceptional king who was appointed By God himself, these are the words of an exceptional man after God's own heart. These are the words of an exceptional boy who famously went to war against a giant armed with an old-fashioned Nerf gun and a few pebbles. 
And so you think to yourself that this true rest in God may be found by the religious nut or by the super keen Christian. These words may be the words of the one who brought me along to church this morning or the words of my bright and bookish Bible study leader. These may be the words of the preacher or the theological student, words taken perhaps from the diary of a missionary or a church elder. But these words, you think, sound nothing like me. And so you quietly think that they are not for you. But my friend, that is not true. For look at the context. Yes, the exceptional King David does pen Psalm 62. But the introduction, verse zero, if you like, tells us that it is for the choir master, Jeduthun. Yes, it is a song of David, but it is a song for all the people to sing, verse eight. And so this song echoes not just the heart of the guilty adulterer in Psalm 51. This song echoes not just the heart of the, of the potentially assassinated Psalm 57, but this song this psalm, Psalm 62, may echo the heart of anyone. For every human heart that has been wired by God has been made for a relationship with God. And so unsurprisingly, rest is found in him and it is found in him and him alone. The great minister and hymn writer John Newton put it. God formed us originally for himself. And has therefore given the human mind such a vastness of desire, such a thirst for happiness as he alone can answer. And therefore, till we seek our rest in him, in vain, we seek it elsewhere. Friends, can you see? God, God is not only the resting place for the elite Christian soul. Indeed, God is not even the only resting place for the everyday Christian soul. But God and God alone is the resting place for every single soul. For without God, all seek rest in vain. Without God, we continue on throughout our lives, metaphorically bleary eyed, desperate for true sleep. Metaphorically, we go through our days with this infuriating, whirring noise in the background. But the soul made by God, which finds rest in him, finds sleep, finds silence. And so if you want a simple summary of this psalm, verse one kind of says it all. Rest is found in God alone. Rest is found in God alone. Yet here David provides us with more than just a simple one-line summary. For in the remainder of Psalm 62, David helpfully oscillates between the other places where an unstable soul may seek rest and the reasons why a stable soul finds rest in God alone. Indeed, let me just repeat that as it's probably beneficial for where we're going. In the remainder of this psalm, David helpfully oscillates between the other places where an unstable soul may seek rest and the reasons why a stable soul finds rest in God alone. And it is that former alternative place of rest that causes instability that David turns to in verse three. So verse three, do look with me. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. And so point two this morning. 
rest is not found in people who are fickle. Rest is not found in people who are fickle. As I said a minute ago, this psalm does not have a particular historical context like many other psalms. We know that David's around, that it's around 1000 BC. We, we know that the worship leader, Jeruthun, is around. And so this falls most likely in the latter part of David's reign. But we don't know a lot else. And so there's a sense in which this psalm could have been penned at any time. And yet if we look carefully at verse 3, we discover that David writes this at a time when he is fearful. At a time when he is powerful and, and yet very vulnerable. In verse 4, he has much power. He's, he's in a lofty place. And yet, verse 3, it is from those great heights that he leans and he totters. And so where is David no doubt tempted to rest? Well, he's no doubt tempted to rest in people. To perhaps pacify his enemies with, with some fine gifts. Or perhaps strengthen the hand of his supporters with a few rousing tweets. Well, no matter how strong we may become, when the storms of trouble start to surge, that is where we are often tempted to rest, is it not? Even if we get to the top like David, even if we look really strong, when the gales of distress blow, we often look for security in our loyal friendship base. We often recheck the foundations that brought us to power. We often move out to calm those who, who buffet us with criticism. And if we still feel unbalanced then, then like tent pegs, we often look to hammer in more people so that we might feel grounded once more. And that, that is foolish. Because while the Bible tells us that, that supportive friends are important, the dominant message of the Bible is that people are not to be used as the tent pegs for life. For from start to finish, the message of the Bible the message of the Bible is that people are fickle. Adam and Eve, the very first people, say that they will obey their mighty creator. But when a simple snake and a sweet snack appear, they are so swift to side elsewhere. When your tent is flapping around in the storm of life, people are often about as reliable and faithful as rods of jello. And so David reminds himself that rest is not found in people. Or verse four, people take delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Friends, I trust you've lived long enough to see that that is sadly true. Sadly, often people are untrustworthy, reliable and faithful. For when going through hard times, not only do some people not text you back or, or not email you back, but sometimes people can actually turn their back. Indeed, as Oliver Cromwell, the only man to topple the English monarchy at an execution once wisely warned his friends, do not trust the cheering, for those very persons would shout as much if you or I were going to be hanged. You see, Oliver Cromwell, just like King David, and just like the Lord Jesus Christ himself knew that power in the populace is a precarious power. For the flock that follows frequently falters. And the, that mob, that mob which makes much of you is movable. Indeed, the mob is mobile. The word mob is a shortened form of the word mobile, which is a shortened from the Latin expression mobile vulgus. Literally, the, the crowd is fickle. 
And so, friends, if your soul finds its moorings in the ever-changing mob, your heart will live forever on choppy waters. If your soul finds its moorings in the ever-changing mob, your heart will live forever on choppy waters. And so when you feel like David, verse 3, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence in a great gale, when you're anxious about what people think presently or are fretful about your future or are panicked by your past, when peer pressure at college comes at you full force or when the winds of secularism blow harder this next year, you may naturally seek to fortify your allegiances with other people or may look to the praises of colleagues and neighbours and, and there is some wisdom there, but for ultimate rest, your soul must not go there. For rest is not found in people who are fickle. Rest is not found in people who are fickle. You know, again, according to verses five to eight, rest is found where? Where is certain rest found in the midst of, of great insecurity? Rest is found in God, the rock and the refuge. Third point this morning, rest in the rock and the refuge. Rest in the rock and the refuge. Well, here for the first time in the psalm, David stops making indicative statements and starts to make imperative statements. In verse 8, he does not comment, but, but rather he commands, trust in him at all times, O people. Yet before David speaks to others, he speaks to himself and says, verse 5, yes, my soul find rest in God. It's very striking, isn't it? David gets alongside, not, not his soul mate, but his very soul. And like a sports coach grabbing the, the arm of one of his players, he whispers in passionate instruction and points with encouragement where to go. Soul, get over there. Get on to him. Soul, cl stay close to him. Don't let him get away. David commands his soul to get touch tight with God. And so my Christian friends, do you do that? In the midst of deep unease and, and insecurity and, and, and panic, do you speak to your soul in such a way? When danger reigns and anxiety rises, do you speak to yourself? I know it might sound an odd thing to do, but it is a, a regular facet of the Psalms. And it is a vital exercise if we are to find true rest. Indeed, the famous London preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones stressed the importance of Christians speaking to their souls and not letting their souls speak to them. One time, Lloyd-Jones says, have you realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Hence, the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself, turn on yourself, unbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed and unhappy way. And then, Lloyd-Jones says, you must go on to remind yourself of God, 
who God is, what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. And that is exactly what David does in verses 5 to 8. For David does not speak to his soul in the abstract, but David speaks concrete truths to his unstable soul. You see, David is no Buddhist monk who tells himself to find rest by by emptying his mind. No, David tells himself to find rest by filling his mind and by filling his mind with thoughts of God. And so what are the two aspects of God's character that David brings to mind here? Well, firstly, is that is that God is the rock. God is the rock. Look at verse six. He only is my rock. You see, in contrast to David's so-called friends in verse four, who bless with their mouths, but curse in their hearts, in God, David may find true rest, true solidity, truly rock-solid ground, because friendship with God is truly unchangeable. Because like a rock, God is unchangeable. As Moses sang with joy in Deuteronomy 32, just before he died, God is the rock, the faithful one to his people. And so, friends, God's view of us, if we are his people, if we are those who have repented and believed in Jesus, it does not change. My friends, please know that that, that God is not a fickle friend. For God's stance towards you changes only ever once. If you have not repented and have not believed in his son, Jesus Christ, God's view of you has not changed since your birth. God is not your friend and your soul may know no rest. But wonderfully, amazingly, if you have repented, turned from all your sin and have believed in his son, trusted his death in your place, God's view of you never changes from that new birth. God is your friend and your soul may know rest forever. You see, my Christian friend, although we may see human attributes in in God's character, we must remember that that God is not a human friend. No, Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Accordingly, if you are a Christian, please know, please know that God will not turn against you in 2020, like other friends might this year. God does not love you one minute, but hate you the next minute. God does not like your Instagram post only to unfriend you later. God does not smile at you and say, come here, my saint, only in the next moment to turn to the son and the spirit and to murmur, what a sinner under his breath. What a nuisance of a child of mine is this. No, if you are united in Jesus, you are a son, you are an heir. And God's love for you shall never change. Relationship with God in Christ is unchangeable. It is rock solid. Where other friends come into our lives and then move away because of distance or death or disloyalty, he is the rock. As the Puritan minister, Thomas Watson, wrote, other friends you cannot keep. God is a friend you cannot lose. Or as verse 12 puts it, to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Yet not only does David remind himself that, that God is a rock, but David also here reminds himself that God is a refuge. Verse 7, on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. 
You see, rest is, is found in God, not only because he is the unchangeable rock, but rest is found in God because he is the saviour and so the place of refuge. And this salvation occur, of course, finds its, its zenith in Jesus. Jesus, although not mentioned by name here, is the ultimate rock of salvation. And so the ultimate place of refuge for, as Jesus says himself in, in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And hence, my friends, my friends, if your soul is all at sea this morning because of guilt, you get to recall that Christ is the refuge from God's wrath and that you may be saved through Jesus's death for you. If your soul is all at sea this morning because of doubt, you get to recall the refuge of Christ's teaching and the only worldview that makes sense of our world. If your soul is all at sea this morning because of financial burden, you get to recall the refuge found in Christ's riches and the refuge of God's provision for you. If your soul is all at sea this morning because of physical pain, you get to recall the refuge of Christ's heavenly rest and that he will bring you home soon. If your soul is all at sea this morning because of loneliness, you get to recall the refuge of Christ's companionship. And the beauty of verse 8, that you may pour your heart out to him for God is your refuge. Of course, we may go to our parents with our burdens. It may be wise at times to reach out to a dear friend. We may be helped by meeting with a financial advisor or a pastor. We may benefit from a session with a doctor or a counsellor. But, but friend, true rest for our souls is found in God alone because God is the rock and that God is the refuge. And so when restlessness comes in 2020, as it no doubt will this year, where will you go? Will you immediately pick up the phone and call mum? Will you instantly jump in the car and drive to your friends? Will you go straight online for the answers to all your fears? Or like David, will you pour out your heart to God? Speaking truth to your soul about the ultimate rest that can be found in the divine rock and refuge. If you're here this morning, and you call yourself a Christian, how important to make time this year to let your soul be silent to do that. And if you're here this morning and would not call yourself a Christian, how important that you contemplate the attractive possibility of this rock-certain refuge that may be yours this very day. For my friend, where else does your soul find rest? For again, as we come to this psalm, we, we, we see that it is very easy for souls to be resting in other things. For in verse 9, David admits that his often troubled soul moves not towards the divine rock and his refuge, but often towards his own rank. Accordingly, point four this morning, rest is not found in power, which is fleeting. Rest is not found in power, which is fleeting. David has already had a word with himself and warned his soul that his people are fickle. But now David takes himself aside again and warns his soul that his power is fleeting. Verse 9, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. 
They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. When I began this sermon, I supposed uh, everyone's in a longing for rest. But perhaps that was rather presumptuous. Or perhaps for some of you here, believe that your soul is already at rest. Thank you very much. For again, you've got the perfect crisps at Christmas. And you've got the perfect amount of sleep at New Year's. And you are not a restless, people-pleasing person anyway. Indeed, as you quietly look ahead to 2020, you think not about a year to fear, but rather a time to shine. Because you see, if we are not those who are tempted to rest in others, verse 4, then we are very likely to be people who rest in ourselves, verse 10. And for some of you here, it will be undoubtedly very easy to do that. Because in the world's eyes, you are pretty powerful. Powerful in physique or mental agility or beauty. Someone with a strong family or a strong, strong credit score. And certainly that would have been the case for David. After all, King David was a king who had it all. David was a very handsome marine and a great singer-songwriter. As king, he received plenty of gifts as people visited his palace. And he even enjoyed rest from war. 2 Samuel 7.1, we read the idyllic line. King David settled in his palace for the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. If anyone would have been tempted to rest in his own power, it was David. And in verses 9 and 10, he warns of the grave danger of it. For David reminds the people that whatever lot they are given in life, it is a lot that will not last. Verse 9, those of low estate are but a breath. The place of humility is short-lived. Those of high estate are a delusion. Earthly thrones are but a mirage in the desert. Verse 10, those who try to steal power through more money, their hearts will not find lasting rest there. Because all forms of earthly power, which may promise us great rest, are actually fleeting. Approval ratings eventually slide just like the stock market shares. We might be tempted to find shelter this year in our prestigious degree or our powerful position at work. We may be enticed this year by the safety of a bigger salary or more money through whatever means we can. But as David says in verse 9, weighed on the balance, they are nothing. Together they are lighter than a breath. The Hebrew word here for breath is the word habel. It's a word frequently used by the preacher in Ecclesiastes, which means vanity or, or more literally vapour or steam. And so King David here reminds his people that resting in such positions of power and more money is like trying to get good sleep on that which comes out of the kettle. For illicit authority and wealth will not only burn you, but they have no strength to support a heavy soul. For all earthly human power escapes, escapes like a gas. Rises up over time, but in a few seconds it all dissipates. Power is fleeting. Your time to step off the board is just around the corner. Your money in the bank will soon be totally irrelevant. And so, as Christians, 
in southwest London in 2020. Not only are we to not rest in other people, but we are not to rest like other people. In short, there should be something noticeably different about where my and your New Year's hopes lie. For we know that worldly position which may bring power is passing, and worldly riches which may bring rule rush on. In 1937, the powerful oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller, widely considered the wealthiest man ever, died. And when a power-hungry young journalist excitedly asked Rockefeller's little subservient accountant, how much money did John D. leave? The accountant simply smiled and said, he left all of it. For could the powerful John D. Rockefeller rest in his riches? No. And did John Rockefeller have any authority to reprimand his cheeky little accountant now? No. His power was like his last breath, here and then gone. And so in life and death, rest is not found in power because the power of position, more pounds in the bank, is all fleeting. And so whether God makes us as powerful as David or not, we are not to equate more rule and more riches with rest. We may be dedicated. We may seek to grow the business this year. Certainly as Christians in 2020, we're going to be called to to work hard. But we're not to set out in January 2020 with with our heart on that job and getting the raise at all costs and seeking the next promotion as we do our own beds. And nor are we to think that rest will come when the mortgage is paid off completely or when we finally get onto the housing ladder. For we do not set our heart on things that are but a breath. Instead, instead in these final two verses, we again are to find rest in God alone. Because not only is God our rock and our refuge, but also God rules and God will give us our reward. And so final point this morning, just in closing, rest in the rule and the reward. Rest in the rule and the reward. Verse 11, do look with me again. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that you, Lord, belong steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Here, friends, we again find the antidote to restlessness. Or having diagnosed the heart problem, David again gives us apt medicine for the soul. For just as the antidote to resting in in, in fickle people was the remembrance that God is a rock and a refuge, so the antidote to resting in fleeting power is the remembrance that God rules and that God rewards. Accordingly, when David speaks to himself again, he reminds himself of those two great aspects of God. Verse 11 reads twice, have I heard this? Two things that, that, that God has revealed to him about himself. And the first of these is that all power belongs to God. And hence David finds rest in God alone because God is the ultimate ruler. Accordingly, for each of the two characters in this psalm, that there is application to be drawn out here. 
Firstly, for those people in verse 3 who sought to assault David and to throw the king down from his position, this news that all power resides with God should come as a great warning. For those who seek rest by trying to usurp the rule of God's king will end up finding no rest at all. And this is most clearly evidenced, of course, in the Gospels by all those restless characters who sought to rest by challenging the rule of God's ultimate King, Jesus. We should remember the futile rest of the Pharisees, those who restlessly sought to bring Jesus down so that they could rest again in their own power, only for them to put Jesus to death so that his ultimate power might be revealed. Likewise, we may think of Judas, Searching for the futile rest in riches. Who, like those in verse 3, blessed Jesus with his mouth, but cursed Jesus in his heart. Thinking that he could rest in his, in his 30 pieces of silver once he had betrayed the king with a kiss. But a man that, as a result, ends up with such a restless soul that he ends up taking his life. And so let me ask you this morning. Is that you? Whether in public or private, are you secretly seeking to find your rest by trying to take down God's king? Do you really think you will find rest for your soul once you throw off the shackles of Jesus's good rule? Do you really think you will find rest through a denial of those who try to hold out Jesus's word to you? Have you really found rest now that you have taken the crown off God? and placed it on your own head. Friend, there is a strong and simple warning here for your restless soul, if that's the case. Verse 11, power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. And you will never find rest if you claim to be the ruler. Yet the notion that that God rules is, of course, not primarily a warning for David's enemies, but rather here it is to be a, a fortress for David's soul, indeed for our souls as God's people now. Because quite often, and indeed increasingly so, Christians are, are not the ones with earthly power. Indeed, as I look out to this new year in 2020, I tend to become restless because of that. I'm sometimes tempted to worry about how increasingly difficult it is to be a Christian in the UK. And to quietly uphold Christian principles and and morality without being called a bigot. As I look into the future further, I'm sometimes tempted to be anxious about how hard it will be for my children if they become Christians. It's very easy for for restlessness to rise up as we realise that the, the rules of our society, once built on Christian foundations, are beginning to become now dislodged and unearthed. It'd be very easy for Christians to be restless in 2020, but delightfully. We may rest in the fact that God still rules. Friends, God still rules as much today in the UK as he did in Israel then. We may not have a man in power like King David, a man after God's own heart. But behind British and American and Iranian and North Korean leaders reigns the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we of all people need not worry one jot. We may find rest for our souls in the true ruler by reminding ourselves that God sits on the throne. 
Likewise, as we reflect not not on the power that, that comes from rule, but the power that comes from riches, we as Christians are not to be restless either. What is the second thing that David hears from God, end of verse 12? God will reward. You, God, will render to a man according to his work. Friends, with God there, there are no promises of complete and utter rest in the here and now. Certainly, of, of course, the, the, the very best rest for 2020 is found in God alone. But, you know, being a Christian in 2020 will not fill every restless hole in your heart. Being a Christian does not mean that you can rest in the assurance that this year you will have the richest marriage, the richest children, the, the richest career path, the, the richest house on the street. But being a Christian does mean that soon all restlessness will be over. For all those holes in your soul will one day be filled richly to overflowing. And so now we may rest in the rich reward that is to come. For in heaven we will soon find perfect rest for our souls because there the God who rules will reward us for how we have trusted in him. And so in that new heaven and earth, rest will abound. There all our souls will hunger and thirst no more, for we will be with our precious and glorious Christ. There all the fleeting powers of 2020 will be no more. And friends, we shall be in want of nothing. And so this Christmas, do you have a good rest? This new year, did you have a good rest? No, of course you didn't really. For in God, the greatest rest is still to come. And I pray, I pray that your soul may find rest there. Let's pray.